Welcome. I'm Dr. Rajani Kata, and I'm so excited to announce the launch of our new course, Conquer the Medical School Interview. We've been speaking and writing about interview sales for years, and in this course, we show you our comprehensive step-by-step approach to the common interview questions, along with videotaped before and after responses. To learn more, please visit us at themedicalschoolinterview.com. You'll be able to see a free preview of one of the questions in our course, Tell Me About Your Research. And now to our episode. Welcome to the Success in Medicine podcast. I'm Dr. Rajani Kata. I am the author of The Successful Match and the Medical School Interview, and I've written and spoken a lot about interviewing, and I'm here with my partner today and co-author, Dr. Samir Desai, and between the two of us, we've interviewed and coached a lot of applicants, and as we are recording this episode, it's 2020, and in this interview season, most of the interviews are going to be virtual. And so applicants are dealing with a whole new set of challenges. And we thought it would be helpful to really go into certain aspects of the virtual interview because there are some special considerations for this. So Samir, I wanted to just start with the basics. Let's talk about what an applicant should do when he or she has actually received a virtual interview invitation. Really read that email you've received from the program very, very carefully. There's going to be a lot of information there, and that's going to be very important for your planning and preparation. So you need to have a clear idea of the interview day schedule, what you will be doing during that day, and the timings of each event or interview that's going to take place during that day. And these emails will generally provide that information as well as links for each session. Now, it's very important to understand how that interview will be conducted. In other words, is it going to be conducted via Zoom? Will it be Skype? Will it be Google or some other video conferencing platform? And really, once you know this, you can start to take steps to become technologically ready for the interview. I want to ask you a little bit more about that. What do you mean by technologically ready? So while applicants will spend the bulk of their time getting ready to answer questions like, tell me about yourself and why are you interested in our program, the best answers to these questions will fail to make the impact that applicants want to make if the technology fails them in some way. So what I can tell you, Regine, is having conducted hundreds and hundreds of virtual interviews, technological issues is something that I see happen very often. And it can certainly affect the impression that applicants make on the interviewers. So what's very key to the whole thing is to be technologically ready so that your answers make the impact that you had intended. You know, I can really second that um, just from the standpoint of being an interviewee myself. So, you know, I've had several virtual interviews with media organizations. So I had one with CBS News. And I was getting ready and I had my very technologically savvy assistant with me. And even then, these are very, um, you know, these are so high stakes. And, uh, and the anxiety I felt when I couldn't get my camera on my laptop to work 
and I only had five minutes to go before CBS News was going to be on the, you know, on the line with me. That was a lot of anxiety. I really wished that I had done a dry run, you know, at least the day before, uh, because I thought I knew, you know, I thought I knew how it was going to work, but they were using a platform that I hadn't used before. So, you know, I've gotten very familiar with Zoom. I've gotten very familiar with Skype, but all of these platforms have just these slight differences. And on the platform that they were using, I was really um, struggling to figure out the, the camera app on it. So I really have to second that. And this goes back to something that you and I had talked about previously, and that's the fact that you need to have a primary device and a secondary device. So in my case, I had a laptop, I had my phone, I had a desktop, I had all of these backups ready to go. But, um, but let's talk about that. Why is it so important to have both a primary device and a secondary device? Well, the reason why it's so important, Rajani, is that you can never be sure of what will happen. And so you will have your primary device. And I will tell you that most applicants will use a laptop and that's perfectly fine. But you have to ask yourself, what happens if your laptop breaks down during the interview? And uh, while you might think that that's a remote possibility, I can tell you from doing a lot of these virtual interviews that it's happened to a fair share of my applicants. And for that reason, I always tell people to have a second device ready to go. So that's going to be your backup device. And having these two devices protects you in these types of situations. But one thing you have to remember is on both devices, you should have the video conferencing platform installed. So that means having the latest version or update of Zoom or Skype or what have you ready to go. And it also means testing out your audio and video and making sure your equipment is linked and compatible with the software. The good news is that with your primary and secondary device, you can do test runs on both Zoom or Skype, and you'll know that everything is set before your interview day. Let's talk about settings. So where should you actually uh, conduct your interview? So you should do your interview where you have a strong internet connection. That's a, a major thing that should be crossing your mind as you think about the different possibilities. And so we should spend a little bit of time talking about how we define a strong internet connection. And every video conferencing platform will have recommendations for optimal internet speed. So once you know this information, what you can do is you can do a speed test on your own internet connection. For example, you can go to fast.com to test your speed. And the question you're looking for is your speed sufficient? Does it exceed what is recommended by the video conferencing program? If your home connection is strong, then it is perfectly acceptable to do the interview in your home. Keep in mind, though, that your connection and your connection speed can vary from one room to another. So you have to factor that into the ideal location in your home. So once you've determined that I am going to do it in the home, what is the right spot in the home? Uh, and you also have to remember that other people in your home who are using the Wi-Fi can have an effect on your bandwidth. Now, there are times when the home is not always the best place to have your virtual interview. So if your connection speed, for example, is an issue, I've had applicants who've done their interview from their medical school, from their hospital, or even a hotel. But if you do choose to do this elsewhere, you really have to practice in that location before your actual interview day. Because the more practice you have at the location, 
the better. And uh, you really don't want to be surprised by anything. Really good advice. What else is important about the interview location or the environment? What applicants have to remember is that when that interview starts, the interviewer will be forming an impression of you. And some of that comes from your environment, specifically your background. What do they see behind you? If it's cluttered or if it's a disorganized space, what will that imply about you as a resident? Consider what you have hanging on the wall, sitting on your bookshelf, etc. So take inventory of the location in your home where you've decided to do this interview and take a look around and ask yourself, what will the interviewer see when we first log on? And I also tell applicants that, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a blank wall behind you. You know, I think this is going to be a really interesting area of research in the future because we we don't have a lot of research right now on how applicants are judged by virtual interviews. But if you and I think back, you know, you and I have done a lot of writing and reading about this subject. And just the fact that first impressions, um, we talk so much about proper interview attire and careful grooming, you know, that a lot of these that we're talking about are really subconscious impressions and they're formed really quickly. So I don't think an interviewer would actually say, you know, oh, I noticed your room is really messy. So it's much more of a subconscious impression. And I think it's very similar. It's kind of um, an extension of your interview attire, that interview background. That's the way to consider it. And I agree. I think it's so important to really pay close attention to that. What else should you try to control? I also tell applicants that you have to keep the people in your life informed of what's going on. And with most applicants doing these interviews in the home, there are often others present in the home, whether they are family members, they could be friends or roommates. So you often will be sharing your space with other people. And I do find that applicants do a good job of making sure that they're not disturbed by the people with whom they are living with. But they sometimes don't realize how much noise can be heard, even when the door is closed. So you really need to talk with your family or your roommates about keeping the noise to a minimum. I want to add just a little bit more about noises, because you really want to avoid those types of distractions. For example, Consider if you're in the middle of your interview and the doorbell rings, and that's happened to me with some applicants. And so you don't want that doorbell to ring, and you don't want anybody to be pounding on the door. Uh, and to control that, there are several things you can do. You can cover the doorbell. You can put a note up on the front door basically saying, please do not ring doorbell or knock on the door. Job interview is in progress. And you know that's an example of you know trying to think about what are these situations that could occur that normally do occur in our day-to-day lives that you know could impact the impression you make and your own interview performance? Staying along those same lines, I always ask applicants, do you have a landline phone? I know that's becoming less and less common, but if you do, uh, you certainly don't want that phone to ring. So I tell applicants to shut off the ringer. Do you have outside noise? Uh, For example, if you have a lawn and you have a lawn service and someone cuts your lawn, you want to make sure they don't show up that day of your interview. 
for people who are living in colder locations. I tell them that, you know, if you've just had a snowstorm, well, you never know when that service may come to uh, use that snowblower. So you, you have to think about all these things because I've actually done virtual interviews where I couldn't hear the applicant because of a lawnmower or a snowblower. So th that is um, things that can happen that you can try to prevent. Um, another thing that's much more common than that is uh, receiving notifications on your computer. So a lot of us have emails that we get and alerts and noises and pings. So we hear that. But when you're in the virtual interview, remember that your interviewer will be able to hear that too. So that's distracting. It can uh, you know, affect the impression that you're making and obviously can throw you off your game as well. Yeah. You know, that reminds me when you and I first started podcasting, how um, one of our early episodes, we could hear the alerts from the desktop computers. So we learned that lesson really, really early on, didn't we? We sure did. Let's move on and talk about lighting, because lighting can be a bit of a challenge sometimes. So go ahead. Lighting is huge, Rajani, and I think applicants don't factor this in as much as they should. And you really need to think about this very carefully. And you know, we have applicants who are not just in the U.S., but are all over the world. And so these interviews are going to be taking place on U.S. time in the morning or the afternoon. And if you're in a room with a window, regardless of where, where you are, you have to think about how the light that's coming through the window uh, affects the lighting in the room based upon where you're going to be sitting in that room. So it can look very different in the morning, it can look very different in the afternoon. And what applicants can do, and I highly recommend this, is to record yourself at different points uh, in that day so you can see how you look with that lighting. And uh, one thing to do is, is to make sure that you, you have the appropriate lighting, but that you're not sitting in a place where the light is coming from behind you. So if you have your window behind you, that's going to be very hard for the interviewer to see you uh, properly. Yeah, I'd say I've spent a lot of time experimenting with lighting and it, it really is a challenge. I have to say one of the best devices was a ring light that we purchased from Amazon. Now, it doesn't work very well if you have glasses, but if you don't wear glasses, it really, you know, you position it in front of you and it really presents a nice glow to your face. So I think that's one thing that's wonderful. I personally like to set up in front of an open window so that the light from the window is shining on my face, you know, very nice natural lighting. I did um, one time have a video call with somebody who was in Paris and I did practice my lighting beforehand. And that was really challenging because I had, you know, it was very, very early in the morning. It was completely dark outside. So I had no natural light. So I really um, did a lot of photographs um, to try to see how I looked with that artificial lighting. So it can take a bit of experimentation to find out the right place to put your artificial light source if you're using artificial light. But, you know, along with what you said, my favorite is really that natural light sitting in front of a big, you know, in front of a big window and having that light shine on my face. But the ring light is also wonderful. And I just really second what you say, which is that you really have to experiment at different times of the day to see what works best for you, your device, and your setup. And let's go to the next question, because you and I have discussed this. What should you do with your cell phone? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So some applicants will tell me, uh, Rajani, that you know I'm going to 
just shut off my cell phone. And what I actually tell them is, I'd rather you not shut off your cell phone because you never know when the medical school or that residency program needs to reach you. And and in all likelihood, they'll try to do that via the phone. Like, for example, we're talking a lot about technological issues that can affect the applicant, but technological issues can also affect the medical school or the residency program. So you want to have that phone near you and rather than shut it off, uh, you can just silence your phone. You can shut the ringer off. You can make sure it doesn't vibrate. But that way, if you need to access your phone, uh, you have it there and uh, you can respond readily to uh, any inquiries or calls from the medical school or the residency program. And and keep in mind that if you have a technological issue and you need to get a hold of them, that's going to be readily accessible to you. What else should you have near you before the interview? Well, you need to have something to write with and uh, preferably access to several pens or pencils. I've done virtual interviews where somebody's pen has given out and then they tell me, you know, just hold on for a minute, Dr. Desai, I'll be right back. And that's obviously not something that you want to do during a real, you know, interview that's uh, virtual. And uh, having a notepad is also recommended because you'll be able to take some notes. I remember with these interview days, quite often, it's not just your formal interview where you're answering questions. You're going to have an orientation session, perhaps where the uh, dean of the medical school or the program director of the residency program is telling you about the particular aspects of their program. So you're welcome to take you know, notes during that time. So you want to have that notepad accessible. A water bottle is also a good idea. Remember these interviews, they do stretch on. Uh, these can be fairly full days and you'll be doing a lot of talking. So having a water bottle handy can prevent that uh, dryness in your throat. And let's also talk about something that I think a lot of us don't necessarily think about, which is the chair. Why is your choice of a chair such an important consideration? You're absolutely right. This is something that hardly anyone thinks about. But when you're thinking about the impression that you make on an interviewer, one of the components of that impression has to do with your posture. So that'll contribute certainly to the first impression, but your posture will be something that they'll take into account throughout the whole interview. And so if your posture is off, and your posture can be off for a variety of reasons, but one of the most common is because the chair that you've chosen doesn't help support a good posture. And so you really need to think about what chair is going to be your interview chair. Now, keep in mind that you're going to be sitting in this chair for many hours uh, straight. Uh, I know that some programs have breaks uh, in between each event or interview, but I've also heard from applicants that, you know, they didn't get any breaks for five hours. So imagine sitting in a chair for five hours and not getting up. So you need to have a comfortable chair, but you also have to factor in whether that chair could cause you problems in terms of your body language. So for example, a lot of people will use chairs that recline or chairs that swivel or chairs that have wheels so that they can roll. And, and you'll actually see during virtual interviews situations where people are moving back and forth because they're leaning forward on their chair and that chair is a reclining chair or movement because of the swivel action of that chair. And that can be very distracting for uh, interviewers. And this is one of those areas where a lot of applicants don't realize that uh, this is even happening. 
You know, I think this is, again, I think this would be a fascinating area to research about virtual interviews, because in our book, The Successful Match and The Medical School Interview, we did talk about how non-cognitive or how your non-verbal impressions really make such a, send such a message to the interviewer. You know, that a lot of um, people focus exclusively or mainly on the content of their answers. And they don't realize how important those nonverbal aspects of their answers are. And I think just thinking about body language, I think a lot of people know, you know, you want to be careful about nervous habits and tics and things. But just what you said about people not necessarily realizing that they're moving a lot in an interview chair, that's a really important point. But Samir, I did want to go back to one other point that you mentioned, which is that you had an applicant that was interviewing for almost five hours straight. Is that correct? Yeah, that that's right. And uh, she was very surprised because she assumed that there were going to be breaks, you know, between these different sessions. And uh, it was a tiring day for her. And, uh, you know, she was telling me, you know, boy, uh, you know, just having a minute or two just to go to the bathroom would have been nice. So I was really surprised that she had had that experience. And it just goes to show you that programs and medical schools are feeling this out too. So this is a new thing for everybody. And so this particular program had not factored in the importance of uh, having some breaks built into the process. Really great point about how everybody's feeling at this process. And we don't have these best practices for virtual interviews in place yet because, my goodness, five hours just sitting talking, like, that's exhausting. Um, yeah, poor thing. <laughs> uh, but let's, um, let's go on to the next question that I wanted to ask you, which is about eye contact. And this is something that, again, is a really important part of a standard interview. But Let's talk about eye contact in the context of a virtual interview. Do you have any thoughts on that? Absolutely. And I'm really glad, Reggie, that you asked me that question. Poor eye contact is one of the most common mistakes that I see in virtual interviews. Now, I want to tell you about what the natural tendency is. So when you're in a virtual interview, the natural tendency is to look at the interviewer's face. This is similar to an in-person interview, but the difference is, is when you're looking at the interviewer's face in a virtual interview, so this is the face on the screen in front of you, that person's face is going to be on your device. So with laptops, generally the camera is at the center and the top of the device, and the person's face is, you know, their eyes at least are five, six inches, you know, below that. So what ends up happening is if you focus on the interviewer's face, when they are seeing you, they they see you as looking down. They don't see you as looking uh, at them and making good eye contact. And that is a major problem because eye contact has been shown time and time again through research on interviewing in general to be crucial to the impression that you want to make. And when you fail to make eye contact with an interviewer, you communicate some different things, which you know, none of which are what you want to get across. And you could come across as not being interested in what they're saying. You could demonstrate that you're a poor listener, that you're not engaged, or that you may have something to hide. Uh, when in fact, that's not at all who you are and what you're all about, but just not realizing that you need to look at the camera rather than the interviewer's face, that's the kind of impression you could mistakenly give. I think that's such an important point, Samir. Uh, 
eye contact really is so important. And one of the things that I've started doing is I've actually started minimizing my browser and I'm moving that person's face to as close to my laptop camera as I can get it so that I can be looking at their face a little bit, but still mainly looking at the camera. I've also given a presentation where I had to work really hard. It definitely took practice, but I was able to just speak directly to the camera. And I have to say it's important, but it definitely does take some practice. What if though you know, you've done all your preparations, you're really ready to go. But what if the unexpected happens from a technological standpoint? What next? Another great question, Rajani. And so we can do everything on our end. And and despite our best efforts, technology can still fail us. And this is something that can happen not to just us as applicants, but also happens to medical schools and programs. And and how we handle the situation when it happens is very crucial. So do you stay calm and composed or do you wilt under the pressure? And I tell applicants to try very hard to keep their wits about them as they try to manage the problem, because you are going to be judged on how you rise to the occasion under this stressful situation. One thing to remember is that programs and schools are very understanding of technological issues. But everything that we're talking about, Rajani, is is really important to minimize chances of these issues popping up. Another thing that I tell every applicant to do is to contact the admissions office or the program coordinator of the residency program several days before the interview by email, basically to do a couple things. You can confirm your interview, but you can also inquire about whom to contact in case of a technological issue. So essentially you can write in that email, I'm really looking forward to my interview. I'm not anticipating any technical difficulty, but just in case, I wanted to know the best phone number to reach you if that should happen. And what I can tell you, Regine, is that some programs are putting that type of information in their interview invitations, but not all programs are doing that. So if it's not there, don't be afraid to reach out and get that information because it's going to make you feel better that you have that. And so have that program's contact number right next to you in case the unforeseen should happen. And, you know, that's going to make you feel better about this whole thing. Yeah, I think that's so important. And nowadays I have noticed that a lot of um, a lot of people that are, you know, that I'm interviewing with that they are proactively doing that. But I think that's great advice if they haven't to really reach out and make sure you have that that number. And along the same lines, um, I've seen some recommendations or I've had some students ask me about the use of post-it notes. So some applicants have been using post-it notes with, you know, tips for the interview or questions that they want to ask the interviewer. And so they, they have that really right next to their laptop. What advice do you give to an applicant who's asking about that? Well, whenever you have notes that are, you know, taped or accessible on your computer, it does something that is potentially problematic for you. And that is it takes your gaze away from the camera. So it affects eye contact. So whenever I'm with an applicant and they are looking at something, I can tell that. And so sometimes in my mock interviews, I will have applicants 
who tell me, Dr. Desai, you know, I prepared the answer to that question. Is it okay if I just read that off the screen because I haven't yet practiced my delivery? And I'll say, go ahead. But every time they do something like that, it's really easy to tell that they are looking somewhere else. And it really does affect the impression that you're making. And so I would not favor looking down at your paper or looking at a post-it note that's you know taped to the side of your laptop because it is going to be apparent. And, and remember, the impression you want to make is that you are 100% prepared for the interview and 100% engaged in the interview. What about food or drink during the interview? What are your thoughts on that? I don't recommend having food or drink, uh, including coffee, in your background during the interview. Uh, I would eat or drink during breaks. The one exception to this rule would be if you need a sip of water. If you're in the middle of your interview and you feel that your throat is dry, you can certainly take a sip of water. But I think manners are important here. So before you do that, you can just simply ask the interviewer. You can say, you know, Dr. Smith, before I answer your question, do you mind if I just take a sip of water? And of course, Dr. Smith will say yes. And and that need may arise because we've probably all been in situations where we're talking and our throat feels a little dry and a little sip of water is, uh, you know, goes a long way. Do you have any final recommendations? Absolutely. So with virtual interviews, just you know, just like in-person interviews, it's it's important to put in the time. Uh, you want to practice, and you want to practice thoroughly. And I highly recommend mock interviews where you can record yourself. So, you know, give your friend a call, you know, arrange this with your partner, and go through a mock interview and, and record that session. And then you'll have the opportunity to, to play it back. And you'll be surprised at what you see. You'll be able to take stock of your lighting, take stock of the position uh, of your face on the screen. And, and it will be very, very revealing. If there are, for example, some mannerisms that you're displaying, that might not have been apparent to you when you were doing the mock interview, but it will really come into focus on uh, the review of that recording. But in, in closing, I just want to say that much of the interviewing is the same, whether it's done in person or virtually. The bottom line is you want to speak about yourself in a compelling way. You want to reveal who you are as a person, and you want to make that program or that medical school realize all that you have to offer. And so, of course, making an interviewer feel that way about you is not just about the content of your answers, but as we talked about before, a lot of it has to do with the way in which you answer them. In other words, how do you come across? And technology is certainly a factor in this whole equation. So you want to make sure that the technology works for you rather than against you. And the good news is, with some prep work, you'll be well on your way to making that strong impression. Well, for our listeners, we hope that you found this episode helpful. We will be connecting to um, a few things in the show notes for this episode. And to get to that, our website is thesuccessfulmatch.com. We also provide, if you would like to receive a free excerpt of our book, The Successful Match, or a free excerpt of our book, The Medical School Interview, you can do that at the bottom of our homepage. And if you do sign up to receive that excerpt, 
You'll also get the option to sign up for our free email course. And we have two of them, one for when you're preparing for the medical school interview and one for when you're preparing for the residency interview. And we have a lot of resources that we've written about, whether that's via guest blog posts or other podcast episodes or book chapters. And so if you would like to sign up for those free email courses, you'll get a different resource every day for two weeks. And we hope that those will also help you as you're preparing for your interview. So we wish you the best of luck. Again, I'm Dr. Rajani Kata with my partner, Dr. Samir Desai, here on the Success in Medicine podcast. <music>